The witness of scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 35 verses 1 through 10. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and shouting. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. God will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be opened. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come up on it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away.
driving around town a couple of months ago, we saw many yard signs on display, one of which was joy for Oklahoma. The first time I saw that sign, and this is a little bit embarrassing to admit, because it's pretty much lights on, nobody home. My split-second initial thought was, wow, people are really in the Advent spirit early this year. Far beyond the limits of partisan expression, Advent's proclamation of joy is not confined to state boundaries. For the church's banner sings, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And yet, honesty admits, even as we proclaim joy to the world, we are not exactly sure what we mean by that. Like the previous two Sundays of Advent, when the church proclaims hope amidst a world inclined toward optimism at least, or cynicism at worst, and peace amidst a world inclined toward status quo at least, or hostility at worst, the church lights the candle of joy amidst a world striving for happiness so often yet feeling dissatisfied, more likely. So, joy is the church's delightfully eccentric gift given to the world. And once again, Isaiah is our guide as we are unboxing joy. Like the advent of hope and peace, joy comes in the midst of barrenness. Isaiah is speaking not from a place of comfort, but from a place of desolation. Israel lives in exile, their cities defeated, their places of worship laid waste, their lives conquered. Isaiah says Israel's injustice and idolatry are the reasons for their trouble. But... He goes on to say, their failures of the past do not determine the direction of their future, for it is God who yearns to renew and to restore and to recreate. And to that vision, Isaiah proclaims a most unlikely image. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom and no one spending much time in either place could ever have pictured that kind of possibility. At some level, we recognize Isaiah is not speaking only to our Israelite ancestors, for almost every one of us has spent some time in the wilderness. A wilderness either of our own making or a wilderness that encroached unbidden by anything that we've ever done. Most of us at some point have known or perhaps know now what it feels like to be isolated, weakened, uncertain. Isaiah is honest about that. No, what he says does not fit on a bumper sticker, but the message is clear. He tells us that wilderness happens. But that is not all he sings. 
For today, we hear a coda sung into what seems like an empty score that God does not give up, that as in the beginning, so God continues to create and recreate, that God is resourceful and wondrous, regenerative and transforming, that the worst that happens is not greater than God's best to give. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. And the people say in response to that, well, we certainly did not see that coming. And that's precisely why today we light a candle called joy. We remember when listening to a prophet that she or he is both wondrously visionary and directly honest. Even in this grand picture of Death Valley covered in a carpet of blooming roses on parade, Isaiah reminds Israel that when God shows up, those who've been on the outs will be in. Those who've been wounded will be healed. Those who've been infirmed will be cured. Isaiah is saying that part of what helps the water flow and the land be bountiful is an abundance of care and compassion and nurture. It is Isaiah's way of saying better days are coming even as he also says. And once you get back to the promised land, don't forget that you are to live out God's promises in the world because that is what joy is. Joy is living God's way in this world. The images of stream-filled, blossoming deserts may seem far-fetched, but if we have seen the recent weather, particularly out west, the 35th chapter of Isaiah might have come to mind. For into that decades-long drought is coming abundant rain and snow. Now, we would not presume the problems are over, nor are we encouraged to some sort of fatalism on the one hand or irresponsibility on the other. Instead, what we are reminded of and invited to is the life-giving, life-nourishing, stewarding of our lives in harmony with God's symphony on earth as it is in heaven, because this is joy. Now, to be sure, there are reasons why we may not be well-versed in unboxing joy. The most obvious one being sometimes life is difficult, or it's sad, or it's unfair. And faith is never well served by pretending, nor by denying. So sometimes lament is completely appropriate. But what makes unboxing joy difficult is much more subtle than those obvious times of struggle. Perhaps Madison Avenue is to blame for this or is at least one of the causes because culturally, we are trained in dissatisfaction, not contentment. We're given messages of scarcity, 
not abundance. We're pounded with fear, not compassion. We're haunted by inadequacy, not sufficiently, sufficiency. We're manipulated to perfectionism, not goodness. We're motivated by acquiring, not sharing. Focused on personal satisfaction, not community well-being. And in an atmosphere like that, people are inclined to focus on happiness. And since beggars can't be choosers, most of us, most of the time, would settle for happiness. Because being around people who are chronically discontented and predominantly ungrateful is absolutely exhausting. A steady diet of humbug is no diet at all. So we would not disparage happiness. Being happy is a good thing. Please don't go home today and tell your neighbors the preacher at First Christian spoke out against happiness. It's just that in Advent, we do not light a candle of happiness. We light a candle of joy. Happiness has its limitations because it can be contingent on everything going well. My team won. Someone was nice to me today. My portfolio went up. Plenty of sunshine coming my way. Zippity-doo-dah. Did we note the pronouns used? Personal, possessive. A focus on happiness can become an exclusive conquest that disregards others. In a culture encouraged by want and fearing lack, happiness is portrayed as simply having that one more thing, whatever that thing is. Joy walks on the other side of the street, wanting to encourage and lacking in fear. Joy sings Isaiah is God's gift of the new, of the possible, of perspective, of vision, Perhaps you are familiar with the quote attributed to Helen Keller when she was asked, is there anything worse than being blind? And she responded, yes, having no vision. So Isaiah says, envision this. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like the deer the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. This is what God is recreating, and this is what we are called to do and to be with our living, because this is joy. Now, joy may start personally, but it always moves beyond the individual to include another. So the practice of joy is focused attention on God's wondrous ways, not forced insistence on my personal wants. 
Joy is waking up in the morning. I mean, it really is. And it's realizing your neighbor has awakened also. Joy is making it through a horrific time and seeing the ones who abided with you through that desert. Joy is reaching authentically and healingly across a rift, whatever it may be and whatever the outcome may be. Happiness may not lead to joy, but joy will inevitably instill happiness. And this time of year, while Isaiah sings of the desert blooming and the arroyo rushing, we hear the song of another prophet named Mary. She heard the divine oratorio of Messiah. The invitation to join in the chorus of peace on earth, goodwill to all. Of course, just because God sings the song does not guarantee everyone will join in with their voices. But Advent proclaims God invites Mary and any who want to join the chorus, singing good news of great joy to all people. And Mary told us in the first couple of lines of her wonderful song, she told us how delightful that is. Remember what she sang? My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Joy is harmonizing with God's sacred presence in this world. Last Sunday evening, the church celebrated the Christmas pageant, celebrated its being held in this sanctuary for the first time since 2019. The congregation sang, gifts were brought forward, people lingered and talked in the tasting party afterwards. But at the center was the pageant as we were invited to come to the manger, hearing the story of God's great love for the world that has been true from the very beginning. And the pageant was wonderful as the children led. No, it was not perfect. Not every note was hit. Not every line was flawless, but it was so good. It was joyous. The pageant began with a beautiful piano prelude, followed by our preschoolers dressed in various manger costumes singing Away in a Manger. When they finished, one two-year-old reached over to the baby in the manger. Uh-oh. <laughs> Thankfully, it did not become a prayer for Owen Meany moment. Instead, that two-year-old gently patted the head of the baby, nurturing, caring, recognizing the gift. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. For unto us, 
a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. So will you receive him? Because Advent proclaims there is no greater joy.